great to have Pastor Zach Wells with us today. And we appreciate the friendship that we share with him and uh, the common vision for the work of God to see the, the kingdom of God furthered and not just around the world, but within our world of influence in Louisiana, surrounding areas. When Brother Hal began to start the home missions work in Scott, Brother Zach Wells was right there to really give strong support. And um, I just appreciate who you are, Brother Wells. Um, I appreciate what it took for you to become who you are and how God is using you in this hour and this generation. And I love you, and I'm confident that God has given you a word for today. We want you to obey the Lord. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Let's give God some praise together. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. We heard the word of the Lord just a moment ago. Let's ask God to help us receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It is my tremendous honor to be here today, and I give um, honor to Brother Townley, this great church, for all of those who afforded us the opportunity to be in his house this morning, to feel the presence of the Lord. Have you been blessed by men's comfort? Amen. Amen. And it's good to be. You never want to go last. Especially when you can smell gumbo. <clears throat> but um, I feel like Job this morning as he sat and uh, all of his stuff was gone. And he said, you're the God of what's left. And so we got what's left this morning. Brother Kelly Patrick. I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach so thoroughly the entire chapter of 1 Samuel 30. And uh, so I'm going to take a text from 1 Samuel 30 this morning, and you'll understand why I feel like i am got what's left. But I, I do feel that God has spoken to me, and uh, most usually I wouldn't turn you to the same text again. But he quit preaching in verse 6, and I'm going to start in verse 8. And I feel the Holy Ghost is going to talk to us today. At least I'll get off of me what has been on me for the last couple of months. And um, it's good to be here. I give honor to all the preachers, pastors, and ministers that are here. Greet you, Brother Smith and Brother Patrick. It's been my honor to be with you. Tremendous preaching. Brother Smith, you blessed me today. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there's some things that only tears can say. <clears throat> in fact, the Bible tells us Joseph was in Egypt, and his brothers came, and they had a whole lot of things they could have talked about. They had a whole lot of things they could have brought up and fixed. But the Bible said they laid their heads on each other's chest and wept. Sometimes that's just what you got to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Smith, for that word today. Brother Patrick blessed my heart last night. And it's good to have all of my friends here today. 
greet you in Jesus' name. It's good to have Bishop go there. I saw him earlier, chairman of the WPF. God bless you, tremendous man of God. And uh, I'm glad to have my son here today, Davey, sitting over there by Brother Posey. And uh, it's good to have some of the men from Christ's temple here this morning. First Samuel 30, verse number 8. We're going to pick up where he left off. <clears throat> And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and they came to the brook Basor. The Bible explains it like this where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Basor. They were so faint they could not go over the brook Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. For the joy that was set before him. I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to talk to us today. My title is just something I gave him because I couldn't think of nothing else. Faint and waiting. But I feel like God wants to talk to us today. Anybody got a little bit of preach left in you? Let's ask God to help us in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for what we've already felt in this house. I trust that I've heard from your word, from your spirit. God, let it come out of us in Jesus' name today. Would you clap your hands to heaven and give him praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's love him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you for standing. You may be seated. As we heard so capably and ably last night, I don't have to preach a lot of foundational stuff because we already are in the vein of what happened at Ziklag. It's been burned with fire. There is nothing left. You and I have the distinct advantage of being able to read this story and the after effects, we are reading it down history. We are reading it even as it is being unfolded to us. We know the ending. But when those 600 men rode into Ziklag, they were men of war. They were men who had just left, perhaps doing some of the things that had just been done to their own family. And so I want you to understand that these men knew 
the parameters of war. They knew what was possible for their children. They knew what was likely to happen to their wives. And Brother Patrick in his genteel manager last night said, uh, who's my wife going to be married to? I, I wish it was that beautiful. But they understood what was possible. They understood the kind of people that Amalekites were. They, they were distinct, no doubt. You can see maybe one of the three mighty men as he kneels on the ground and sees the tracks or maybe uh, like, like he's looking at a piece of weaponry that's left and he realizes we're dealing with Amalekites. They understood what Amalekites were about. Amalekites are not nice people. Amalekites are the kind of people that slip up behind people and cut their throats and slip up behind those that are weak and waiting. And, and uh, the Bible tells us that God judged the Amalekites because of the way they treated prisoners and the way that they treated the weak. I want you to understand that as these 600 men stood in the smoldering ruins of Ziklag, they knew what was likely to come. I want to preach to some men here today as the man of God preached a few minutes ago. Let me tell you something. You can fool yourself and you can get, you can get fooled, but you hear me. Amalekites never change their spots. I want to tell you, the sports world and Hollywood and all the stuff, it hadn't changed its spots uh, since Brother Smith was dealing with it. I don't care how good your son is. I don't care how good he thinks he is. The, that Amalekite's not. It's never going to end well. It's going to end with brokenness. Uh, it's going to end with shame and destruction and a life that could have been more than it is. Uh, let me tell you something, men. you got to never forget the kind of enemy you're dealing with. Uh, the devil is playing for keeps. The devil is playing. He's not here to get you out of church. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't just want your darling to cut her hair. He wants her to lose every shred of dignity she ever had. you got to understand the devil is not fair. Hallelujah. They understood what was coming. So here we deal with a leader I want to preach to us for a few minutes in the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you something, man of God, pastor friend. If you're going to be successful, you're going to have to learn to cast vision in the midst of personal tragedy. Hallelujah. If you're ever going to be successful, you're going to have to learn to cast vision when the vision you've been casting is being rejected. I'm going to preach to you. David's standing there. The reason they're here is because of his ability to hear from God. The reason they're here is because of his ability to inquire at God and get a plan and get a need, a way to go. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 23 tells us they were going to a place called Keliah and God 
his men did not want to go back into Keliah, into Judah. They said, man, we can't go there. Saul's going to kill us. But David knelt his knee and he inquired at God. And he said, God, what do you want me to do about Keliah? He said, you go down there and you deliver those Philistines. You deliver them out of the hand of the Philistines. And because of David's ability to hear from God, because of David's ability to cast a vision, they didn't want to go. They didn't think it was safe to go. But David said, I heard from God. We're going to be successful. We're going to make it. It's going to be all right. Come on, they went to Keliah. They, they, they wrought a victory because they understood. David knows how to hear from God. David knows how to get a plan. And even further at Keliah, Saul finds out David's there. David said, God, are the men of Keliah going to turn me over to Saul? He said, yep, you better leave. And so David turns to those same 600 men. you got to understand, men of God, if you're, gonna, if you're God's man, you're going to have to learn to hear from the man of God when you can't see the way, when you can't see the plan. You're going to have to trust what he's preaching when it's still in the unseen. You're going to have to trust what he's preaching when it's still in the nether. Come on, everybody can trust the man of God when he's got step one, two, and three. But it's hard to trust him when he's stepping out on the nothing. And David said, you got to trust me. you got to go with me. God said, they're going to turn you in. You better get out of here. He turns to those men. He says, go. So I want you to understand, these 600 men have become comfortable with hearing from David. You read it in your Bible. God never spoke to those men. Brother Brian, it'd be easy for me to do some things in my life if God tells me. God didn't tell him. So David's standing in the middle of personal tragedy. He's standing in the middle of total, complete rejection of everything he's preached and told to them. A leader guided by any other motive would have sunk. A leader guided by his own motives would have said this ain't worth it. A leader guided by his own desire for success would have just given up and folded. But David's not an ordinary leader. And he's not guided by ordinary motives. And he said, there's something bigger than just me getting better. There's something bigger than just me having a place. There's a nation that God wants to preserve. There's a nation that God is working. He's already rejected Saul. And he's anointed me. There's something bigger at stake. I'm preaching to me and you've got to get it in your spirit. This isn't about me. This isn't about my church. This isn't just a, this is about the kingdom of God advancing. Whatever thing it is. Hallelujah. An ordinary leader guided by the ordinary motives. The frames of ordinary leadership. You know, I, I really, sometimes I laugh when, when generals and colonels 
write leadership books. <laughs> I mean, if you don't do what a general says, you're, you're, it's not leadership. <sighs> Some of these CEOs that get jobs and they write books on leadership and it just makes me giggle. If you don't do what I say, we're not going to pay you anymore. But I'm going to tell you, the greatest leaders I know are pastors. I mean, we're dealing with volunteers. I'll tell you, even some of the young men that submit to you as a father in the gospel, you don't have any leverage on them. You can't make them do nothing. I'm going to tell you, pastor, if you think you can make a person do, you can't even make your own family serve God. But you've got to learn to get it from God. Follow me as I follow Christ. Listen, I didn't dream this up in the bathroom. I didn't think this up. I'm following God. every. That's why you've got to get a relationship with God. Where are you headed? What are you building? What are you working on? So here's your message, preacher. Well, these people don't, they're, they're rejecting me. Big deal. Let me give you something. If the people aren't rejecting some of what you're saying, you're not preaching large enough vision to them. If everything you say, they say amen to, and some things don't cause them, I'm going to preach to you. you got to get some things that cause them to say, my God, if God don't help us, we're going under. You better believe it, baby, because this ain't my work. This is his work. If you're not trying the impossible, then why do you even need a God? So David... It's, it, I mean, it's crying time. Like the elder preached years ago, it's crying time again. And I don't just take what I'm saying in the right frame. I had all this. Been, I've been working on this since November. Men's got to cry, but listen to me. Take this in the fullness of what I'm saying. Crying don't accomplish much. When you get through crying, now crying will empty you out, it'll break you up, and my, I'm just take what I'm saying in the right frame. I tell my kids when they get through crying, now do you feel better? It'll make you feel better. It'll empty you out. But it, ain't, it, it does not get us to the next place. Let me tell you something, when you get through crying, when you get the snot bubbles blowed out, when you get your eyes, somebody's got to stand up with a plan that's sufficient to the tragedy. Everything's gone Everything's taken Everything's captive What are we going to do now I've cried till I don't have any more strength to cry Woo And here's where you got to understand Here's where it happened Here's where the things become into, into The elixir of whatever it is Starts making things work There's always two plans As the tragedy is finished, whatever it is in your life, adversity is coming. Can I preach that a little bit? Let me tell you something. Everything that's worth doing is hard. I got friends that never kill any deer because they don't know how to work. 
I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to play, you still, everything, even successful playing is hard. Let me tell you, living for God's not for babies. It's not for wimps. You're going to have to stand up on your own sometimes and stand when nobody else is standing. We're living in a world. Can I just preach to men this morning? We're living in a world that doesn't know how to handle adversity. There's some of you young men, you don't know five o'clock comes twice a day. Let me tell you something, all these men, there's men all over this sanctuary that you can look to that are successful, successful businessmen, successful in business and leadership. Let me tell you something, there's no magic button. There's going to be something that's hard in it, and you're going to have to rise before anybody else does and do some things nobody else wanted to do. Everything in life that is worth doing is hard. Too many quitters. You ask Brother Posey and Brother Robertson, Brother Kyle Robertson's youth pastor in my church. We have a rule around my church. We don't quit nothing. I've been on softball teams. We was getting beat 30 to nothing. I'm going to tell you the best way to never be on my team again is to quit when you're getting beat. But I want the guys that we're down 30 to nothing, but they say we got two more at bats. It ain't time to fold up and wait till the next game. My God, I've got to give everything I've got. Let me tell you something. You got to get you some brothers that when the chips are down, you can depend on them. When the cheese is binding, you got to say, hey, we ain't going to quit. We might go down, but we're going to go down giving everything we got. Come on. I'm going to preach my message. So David has to climb. He has to climb out of the pit of total rejection of his ministry and his vision. There's a lot of pastors that never survived that. And personal tragedy at the same time. His wife is missing. His children are missing. His home is burned. And there's two plans. The first plan comes very quickly. Let's kill David. There's always a plan sufficient to the tragedy. That's where, and it's always going to happen in every church and every situation. You've got to make sure which one, which team you're on. Don't let your despair and your tragedy get you on the wrong team. Because there's always two plans. One plan comes out of the spirit of man and the frustration and the inequity of life. One of them comes from nothing being fair. Let me tell you something. Nothing's fair. God's not running a fair. He's running a kingdom. you got to understand that some things you're going to get treated poorly. Sometimes you're going to do, some people's going to hurt your feelings. But if you lay down and quit, baby, you're still the loser. you got to get up and you got to get a plan. Do something. There's always a choice. You can join the team that takes nothing but emotion. Kill David. 
I may not necessarily be the guy. I want to be the guy that pulls the trigger on David. But if I deal in my emotions, I'm going to be on the same team. There's a plan that says kill David. And everyone is on that team. Except for David and Abathar. So David calls for Abathar. Now I want to tell you something. Just, just help me here this morning. Understand what I'm preaching. Abathar was a prophet. But in the new, in, if you want to cross it over to where we're at today, you and I are not Abathar, we're David. Because the Bible said the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to lead, to do work. He's the one casting vision, not Abathar. So he goes in where Abathar and the, linen, the ephod is, and they begin to seek after God. And here's David's question, and this is the question. This is the question every leader. I'm not just preaching leaders. I'm preaching to everybody here this morning. This is the question every pastor. You, you finally, you, you, there's a point in life, and God just requires it. I wish I wasn't sick this morning. I'd preach. But you get to a place, and you say, okay, God, do I, do I, Try to figure out how to live my life without what I've lost. <laughs> Management. I've lost Ziklag. I've lost the trust of my men. I've lost my family. <laughs> Do I just figure out how to adjust and cope and deal? And I don't even know how he got it out of his mouth. But then he asked God this question. Or do I pursue? <laughs> I've been following the call of God. God anointed me a long time ago to be the king of Israel. And now it seems like everything is broken. The exterior of my life has imploded. Everything is off. Everything is broken. All of the trajectories that have in my brain are now gone there is no seemingly possible way for me to get where I feel like God is taking me what do I do do I sit here and adjust that everything I missed it and it's never coming back or do I somehow summon my strength and get back after what I believe that God has for my life I'm preaching to you, if you've not been there, you will be there. Every pastor that's trying to have revival, my God, will these people ever get it? Am I going to be able to do it? Do I find another place? Do I resign and move? No, there's got to be something from heaven that you, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You reach down inside and say, God's still God. His word is still true. I've got to go after it. Imagine this sermon this Sunday morning. I've been in preachers. I've preached in my church before when I felt like there was only five or six with me, and that's just the ones you look at. Anybody know any preacher know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know there's a brother over there. He prays all the time. He reads his Bible all the time. And it don't matter what you preach. He's going to think it's the best thing from heaven. That's the guy you look at. But David climbs into the pulpit and there's nobody on his team. There's nobody pulling for him. Everybody in the building's rejected what he's preached. 
They're, 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 they've aligned him. They've made him what Brother Patrick preached last night. He's the enemy. Uh, just like J- Ahab told Elijah, you're the one that troubles Israel. No, 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 no. It's still the enemy. Listen, it wasn't me that took your babies. It was Amalekites. Uh, it wasn't me that lost it. you got to understand. you got to keep everything in focus. So he climbs into his pulpit. He didn't have a pulpit. But anytime you're speaking to the people of God, you got a pulpit. He stands in that pulpit. There's nobody that believes in him anymore. They're in the depths of bitterness. They're in the depths of weeping and crying. They have no more strength to weep. They're, they're all, they were, some of them were discontent when they got here and they're still discontent. Some of them were in debt when they got here and they're still in debt. But he reaches up to this ragtag group of people and he, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And in the midst of personal tragedy and in the midst of rejection, he summons the strength. You want to be like David, you better have a heart after God, but you also better have some strength that when everything's against you you still have a position to cast a better vision to cast a better tomorrow he stands and says I heard from God if we go after it we will recover it all we're going to get it back we're going to get it all back just a few minutes ago they spake of stoning him And now he's preaching to them to follow him. You talk about a backbone. That's why when you drew David in the fight, you died. Because he was just ignorant enough to believe. That no matter how dark it is today. The assistant pastor at our church, Brother Harry Howell, if you never had him come preach for you, I don't even know if this is of God, but it's of, it, it's of Zach. <laughs> you need to have him come preach for you and ask him to preach a message about a better tomorrow. you got to understand, in the midst of tragedy, when there's tears flowing down your face, when everything's broken, when all of your hopes and dreams are laying in a casket, you got to be able to say, I'm believing in a better tomorrow. Why? Because God's in tomorrow. And he's calling me to tomorrow. And he'll never be what I, my God, I have He'll never be what I lost. Be the best I ever had. So David says, follow me. Anybody wanting to sign up for that trip? We just lost everything. I don't even have a I don't even have a sandwich. I don't even have enough strength to cry, much less fight. That's why the Bible says, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. That's why the Bible says, young man, without a vision, the people perish. Because I don't care what church you're in. I don't care who your pastor is. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you got. There's going to come a day when all you've got to hang on to is vision for a better future. Vision for a better tomorrow. It's broken. It's despair. There's bitterness everywhere. But what does my tomorrow look like? What does tomorrow look like if God's will is accomplished?
So 600 men. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here because Brother Patrick preached it so capably last night. So let me introduce you two phrases here tonight, this morning. There is an initial passion that rises in us. There's some of you right now, you feel like you can run through a tree and, troop and leap over a wall. Whatever a tree is, you can run through it too. <laughs> it's easy to get encouraged and inspired when you're at men's conference. Oh, I'm going to preach a little while. I want 600 men that are weeping, wiping tears and blowing snot are leaving on a Saturday afternoon, buckling their swords on, climbing into the saddle. It's easy to get in the saddle. Ooh, we're going to make it, brother. Brother Ray, it's good to see you all the way from Idaho. It's, it's, let's, my God, we're going to have revival. Let's go. David got a word from God. Uh, David's got a vision. Uh, let's get in the saddle. Let's go get our stuff back. hear this preacher this morning after Ziklag there's always going to be a brook basor as everybody climbs in the saddle at Ziklag and they're roused by the message of David's vision and they're roused by the possibility I'm going to get it back but just a little while later Don't you think the devil's going to quit? Because you're going to leave that Sunday night service where you talked in tongues and you felt power and you felt vision. And you're going to ride up to a brook basor. And you're not going to have the strength or the spirit to get over it. It's adversity. It might be simple adversity. Maybe you heard you went in your pastor's office and he, he talked to you and he shared with you and you left there feeling confident. But then, then just a few days later, you ran into some backslider that spewed a little backslider vomit on you. I'm going to tell you, if you're a man in this house, you can't win backslider. Just pray for him. You can't win them. You got to win sinners. Backsliders walked away. There ain't nothing you can do. Just tell them you love them, but don't get too close because they're toxic. When they get through being toxic, they'll come out of the pig pen and they'll make their way back to the Father's house. And when they get out of that mess, that's when you run to them. Don't get any pig pen on you. Anyway. Your pastor believes different. He's right and I'm wrong. Unless you're at Christ's temple. So I want you to watch this with me. Well, that's squeaky right there, ain't it? Just a little brook. From all I can study on this little deal, the Bible didn't call it a river. It called it a brook. In fact, everything I can read on it, the only time it flows is in the winter. It's a winter torrent. It never has, it doesn't have water in it during the spring and summer. Think about that. Insignificant. 
Can I help you a little bit? I know I'm preaching a long time already, but I'm almost finished. I have this deal that I do for myself. It's kept me from getting offended a lot of times. Let me tell you something, men. If you keep it in your mind, you can make anything significant. Some brother didn't speak to you. If you keep it in your heart, it'll work on you. And it'll work on you till it makes a root of bitterness. But I'm going to tell you something. I got, I got a deal. I do. I do it often. If I get my feelings hurt, I call somebody who is completely disconnected from every part of that situation and I attempt to explain it. Most of the time, before I even get it out of my mouth, I realize how foolish it is. Some of you's talking to people that are just as offended as you. The nonsense coming out of your mouth keeps going back and forth to each other until all of a sudden you got something built up between you. Let me tell you, you got to find you somebody that don't know your pastor, and you start talking about what. And he's like, "Man, that's that's ridiculous." Yeah, it is ridiculous. Now that I got it out of my mouth, I'm helping somebody right now. I've learned that by listening to people. They try to explain the situation and you're listening, but you ain't, it ain't computing. That, that's it. You, you walked away from God over that. Let me tell you something. The Brook Bayshore is going to be a nice, comfortable spot for you to quit. <laughs> Think about that. What separates These 200 from the other 400, they're all in the same spot. They've all lost stuff. They've all experienced tragedy. They've all wept till they can't weep. But these 200, they're special. Think about that. And they just said, think about how they had to say this. Can I just help you this morning? I just don't think I can do that, Pastor. My, my young men are here, Brother Kyle and Brother Cade. They, they, now, they tell, they, sometimes, they, Brother Cade especially, he sometimes stretches it. I'm not near as mean as they say I am, but. Let me tell you something. I'm sick right now. When I was evangelizing, I preached when I couldn't even, I mean, I preached one time in California. This is a true story. I had food poisoning so bad. I stayed in the pastor's office on the toilet. Are we on Holy Ghost Radio? Oh, my goodness. My wife's going to kill me. I done said it now. (laughs) I stayed on the toilet until the music got kind of slowing down I went out and preached for 20 minutes and went straight back to the toilet (laughs) didn't the pastor offer you he didn't even offer me 
He didn't even offer somebody else to preach. And I wouldn't have took it if he had it. My God, we're preaching. Well, hallelujah. I I understand, preacher, it gets tough. But I'm going to tell you something too, preacher. Sometimes you're just a weenie. Sometimes you can just keep taking you a box of can't help it pills and you're just, I mean, until you get to a place where nobody loves you. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said it. I'm going to preach it here in a few minutes. When he was hanging on that cross, Isaiah 63 tells it. He said, I looked around. I looked for somebody to help me. I looked for somebody to build me up. I looked for somebody to reach under me and hold me, but I couldn't find anybody. But he said, you know what? My fury upheld me. I finally got it to a place where I said, it's not going to be like this forever. It's not going to stay like this. Hallelujah. So just, I'm, I'm almost finished. So 200 guys, a full third of David's army stays by the brook. Now, I'm going to tell you what they did because I just know dealing with weenies. This is a men's conference. Ain't no girls here. As them 400 guys rode away, they pulled their shoes off and put them in the water. Because I'm going to tell you something. Once the men leave, all the quitters will start feeling good about each other. I'm just preaching the Bible. I'll tell you what they didn't have. They didn't have faith in the vision. Here's what all of our problem is. It was, a, it was a vision that was still in the unseen. It was still just David's message. But I'm going to help you. If you'll stay in the fray while it's still David's message. Brother Wells, I need some strength. Me too, buddy. <laughs> I'm barely in my saddle too. But I feel, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You keep preaching it when nobody else is helping you. Keep preaching it. Because I'm telling you, young man, pastor, there's a place coming. You just keep preaching the unseen. You keep preaching what God showed you. You keep preaching the hope of a tomorrow that's better. A tomorrow that's built. A church future. There's revival here. I know they say it's broken, but there's a revival here. There's a revival here. You just, we're going to put it to flight. You keep praying, mama. Keep praying, sister. Your babies are coming back. Your wife coming back I preached to people well the only thing I had was faith that God wouldn't forsake them stay in the saddle don't give up don't quit at Basor cause there's something supernatural coming I can't replicate it. I don't know when it happens. I wish I could make it happen every service, but I've watched it happen so many times. There is something supernatural. 
400 men can barely sit their saddles. And the people around them, church, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, Brother Townley. Your church brothers are calling saying, my God, can it get any worse? You're beating, 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 and beating. But I feel, and I see those 400 men, Brother Morton, they're, they're just barely hanging on. Their heads are bobbing. All I'm going on is a vision of my man of God. All I'm going on, and all David's going on is what God said. There is nothing. And they found an Egyptian. I don't have time to preach this here, but I want to tell you something. Even in the middle of your emptiness and without strength and when nothing is helping, you still got to find a way to make something. You got to get some kindness out of you. Because they found an Egyptian and instead of killing him, they fed him. Instead of running him down, exerting all of their pent up frustration on somebody who was helpless, they fed him. And it was that, Brother Dylan, that became their answer. He said, I know where they're at. Here's what I pray happens. Those men are riding. Their heads are bobbing. Just if I was a good enough communicator, you could see it with me. You hear the clip-clop of their, their horses. Their horses are tired. Their horses' heads are hanging. Their swords are, are just limp beside them. Their heads are bobbing. Their hands are barely holding on. And all of a sudden, they top arise. And the unseen the unseen vision of a preacher becomes the physical manifestation that they can actually see. This morning, it was David preaching. Right now, I can see my babies. <laughs> Right now, I can see. I see my wife down there. I see my stuff down there. <laughs> Here's what happens. Hebrews says, for the joy. That was set before him. That word set before them there literally means it's fixed in his eyes. It's a vision of a better tomorrow. It's a vision of a church that can preach and sinners would be saved. It's a vision of a world where the lost are found and the broken are healed. It's a vision of what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the broken, to bind up the... It's a, for the joy that was set before him. Psalm 22, Isaiah 63, tell us uh, how Jesus felt on the cross. Uh, and it's the same feeling that every leader and every man will feel. Why hast thou forsaken me? There is none here. God, you have left me. Jesus in Psalm 22 said, I am a worm. Nobody's here. The Bible says his spirit was taken from him. six hours he is emptied out for six hours in his flesh the spirit of God cannot die and so it moved away from him and he has left the sacrifice the flesh of Jesus is hanging on that tree he did not want it that way if it's possible let it pass from me but nevertheless not my will but thy will be done he said in Psalm 22, the bulls 
a basin. I've gored me. Jesus in his flesh cried out from Calvary. Why hast thou forsaken me? He said 10,000 angels could come get me down. But there was something that made him stay. It wasn't the nails. And it wasn't the thorns. But it was the vision of the joy set before him. He endured the cross. I'm preaching to you. If you're going to endure adversity. If you're going to overcome adversity. You may feel forsaken. You may feel empty. You may feel like a worm. But if you've got a vision. No matter if it came from God or the man of God. It'll make you endure the harshness of the cross. You'll despise every moment of it. But you'll make it through it. the supernatural part and I'm, I'm almost finished when what they've been hearing becomes what they're seeing they don't need any more probiotic drinks they don't need any more encouragement they don't need somebody to help them along the Bible says that just the fact that what they had heard became what they saw. They fought all night and all day. And nobody cried uncle. And nobody said I can't go anymore. And nobody said I'm too tired. When 200 couldn't cross the brook. And none of them had power to weep. When what they've been hearing. Becomes what they see. Supernatural empowerment. Comes upon them. And the Bible says. Without fail. They recovered it all. And that's all shouting good, and we'll leave that. Now I want to preach my message. You see this with me. There's 400 battle-scarred mighty men leap from their horses. And with rage and rescue, they take back everything that's theirs. And the cries of joy as those women recognize their husbands. And those sons recognize their fathers. And maybe from, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Maybe from the cries of the little children, one little boy says, Daddy, I knew you would come. Oh, let me tell you something, man of God. Every young person in your church, every saint in your church, they better have the faith that if nobody gets there, if Brother Wells is coming, Brother Townley's coming, Brother Bray's coming, Brother Smith, I don't know. Nobody will get here. Mama might fail and Daddy might fail and everybody may quit, but the man of God's going to make it. I knew he would come. Come on, preacher. You can't lose your vision in personal tragedy. You can't lose your vision when nobody's receiving it. You got to get your vision back. You got to cast it. Here's where I want to preach. 
as the reunions and the happy moments are beginning to envelop that hillside. There's 200 women and countless children wandering around. Where's my daddy? Daddy? Daddy, Brother Chisholm, can you see one little boy as he walks through the crowd? Where's my daddy? I see Johnny's daddy, and I see, I see, I see Sissy's daddy, but where's my daddy? And I see some sweet wife who's doing her best to live for God when the money's short and hope is gone. And she's standing and she rises from that altar. And it's hard to endure. And she looks around. And across the way, there's an embrace of a father who's fighting for his children. There's an embrace of a father who's, who's frustrated. And he's weak and he's weary. But he's still buying the vision of the man of God. And he says, Where are that little girl? Where's my daddy? You mean you weren't strong enough to pray one more night? You mean you weren't strong enough to come to church when you were tired? You mean you couldn't make it? You mean, Daddy, you gave up at the brook? What do you mean you've been soaking your feet? What do you mean you've been taking care of you? Where's my daddy? I've come to challenge every man in this room. Are you big enough to overcome adversity? Because it's coming. After sick lag, there's always a brook. After sick lag, there's always a place to quit. After sick lag, there's always a place to put your feet in the comfort of self-assurance. But I want to know, is there a future worth fighting for? Is there a child or a spouse that's worth getting your saddle and saying, I can't quit here. I can't stop it. Be sure. I've got a vision to endure the cross. Holy Ghost, stay with me for just a moment. I'm almost finished. Here's what I want to challenge you. At the moment of faintness, the brook basor seemed impassable. Dear sir, don't let this be your story. That decades and generations later, I just couldn't get over the brook. I just couldn't get past that uh, imagined offense or real offense. 30 years from now, it'll be silly. And when you look at your children who are so caught up in the world that you can't extract them Daddy, are you big enough? I'm going to tell you, Brother Gibson, I've watched, I've watched fathers that were weak spiritually. They got, they got blindsided. Their wife got offended. Their children got offended. And they got blindsided. They fell away. The devil starts 
wreaking havoc. But then I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that warms the soul of a heart, Pastor, better as you watch that man. He's a long ways from where he ought to be. He shakes himself. No, it can't end this way. I won't stop at a brook and I'll watch him lead him back. Hey, it ain't all perfect yet, but it will be because daddy's big enough. And daddy's walking across the brook where others quit and others gave up. I'm crossing it. So as we fill this altar and I'm finished, young man, what will your story be? It was too hard. I just didn't know if I could give up all that stuff to live for God. There's always a place to quit. There's always a place to stop. Thankfully, it ends well, and David's David's a good leader. Because even, here's the moment, Pastor, when, when, when everybody's rejoicing and there's so much spoil that, that everybody's just throwing it in the air and they're shouting, this is David's spoil. He says, oh, no. No, 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 no. This is his. See, leader, you can't die in the suffering and you can't die in the success. You got to keep your vision because David had a bigger vision and even when it's all in his hands he started mailing it out do you have a vision that will save the day when you get to Basor can you hear clearly enough your man of God's vision to rise from ruin and say there's more This is not the way it's going to end. What's your vision for your life? You got a backslidden child? What's your vision? Can you only see them lost and taken and destroyed? Or do you have a vision of them lifting their hands in repentance? What's going to make you endure? What's going to make you despise every moment of the shame but stay in the fight? Our heads are lifted. Our hands are lifted. Come on, you may be standing at the brook today. You're expended of strength. You're expended of energy. You have no spirit left. What will you do? It'll be vision that saves the day. Without a vision, the people perish. He didn't say without strength, they perish. He didn't say without hope, they perish. He didn't say without peace, they perish. He said without vision, they perish. Find your vision. Come on, man of God. Make it up in your heart right now. Climb back in that pulpit. Preach to those that are turning against you. Preach to those that are talking about you. Preach to those that want to kill your influence. Can you cast vision in the middle of tragedy? Come on, would you reach over and lay hands on your brother? Every man of God in the house. Would you find somebody as I give this pulpit back? Come on, man. Come on, you can't be faint. You can't quit. You can't quit in your mind. You haven't suffered the blood yet. It hasn't killed you yet. Don't quit in your mind. Hebrews 4, 12 and 2 and 4. You can't be wearied in your mind. You got to have a vision that saves the day. You got to have a vision that saves your family.
you got to have a vision, Pastor, that saves your church. Come on, man, don't quit. Get up. Come on, they're not out of sight yet. Come on, when what you hear becomes what you see, you'll get strength. You can't give up and base off. You can't oh, lay down. Stay in the saddle. Stay in the saddle. It's up to me to decide. But how can I expect to win if I never try? I just As we leave this house today, why don't you find somebody close to you and tell them, brother, I'm not quitting. If your pastor's here, you ought to go close to him and say, keep throwing it to me. Keep giving me the vision. Don't give up on me. Keep throwing the vision to me. Vision saves the day. He's brought me Nobody told me the road said there wouldn't be trials and never said everything would go the way I wanted to go but when my back's against the wall
haven't we heard a word from the Lord today? Why don't we just return some thanks unto heaven, the great God of glory for his goodness and his wonderful work in our hearts. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we glorify you. We thank you. We thank you, God, for doing what only you could do and speaking to where we are. I praise you. I praise you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Wells, for obeying the Lord here today. We're leaving marvelously helped of the Lord. The Bible talks about how that in the Old Testament, the Bible said, and the angel did wondrously. That's the way I view the ministry of the word in this conference. God has used these men as messengers and angels to the church. And the angels have done wondrously. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Patrick. Thank you, Brother Smith. And thank you, Brother Wells. Our souls will be forever and eternally grateful. And our churches and our homes and our families will be better. And we're thankful. We're thankful. Again, there's CDs and thumb drives of the men's conference that's available. Uh, there's forms you can fill out in the foyer. $20 per CD set, $15 for thumb drives. They should be readily available immediately after service. I know there was some unexpected issues with the CD burner. It went down last night, but as far as I know, it's together. I don't, I'm looking for Brother Darren, but uh, you should still have your, all right, I see them waving their hands. It's, it should be ready. So you should be able to get your CD sets and your thumb drives. Um, I want to say a special thank you again to Louisiana Bean uh, for coming. How many had their coffee? Oh, that was fabulous. I had it last night. That was great. So it'll be here today. Um, and um, also there's a youth rally that is coming up the 21st at Brother Looper's. And uh, we invite all of you to be there and take part in that. It's always a great youth rally. Also in February, uh, they should have another digital uh, up of Brother John Hare's weekend that's up and coming. Uh, in February 25-26, these are great meetings uh, that will be hosted in our area soon, and we wanted to inform you of them. Again, Lord's willing, next year, uh, men's conference dates are January 13 and 14, 2023. Evangelist Cody Marks, Pastor or Bishop Von Morton, and Pastor Wade Townley will be preaching. Lord's willing, uh, Pastor Kenny Godare is going to be doing the minister's session and I haven't established who's going to be doing the business session. Uh, what do you think about those extra things we added? The gym this year, you think that was a good idea? Uh, I will say this. Uh, we will ask the Hampton Inn if we can get the full room. We only got half the room, and uh, there wasn't enough seating. Thank you for packing it in uh, and, and making our first sessions great. And to all of the speakers for the sessions and the preaching, thank you. Last night, uh, Brother uh, Tipton did a wonderful job in the business session. That was great. And if you didn't get to hear it, get the, get the thumb drive or the CDs, and I tell you, you will be blessed. And then this morning, Pastor Nathan Morton in the minister session, what a great, great blessing uh, his ministry was. 
And so we're looking forward to doing it all again next year. And uh, if we can do anything, you have some suggestions, uh, anything we can do to do better. Uh, we're going to try to work our schedule and times out, uh, but it seemed to work all right. But we'll, we'll look at everything, and uh, we're packing as much as we can into this conference. All right, the food lines will be as normal, uh, so all of the ministers, please go first. And uh, uh, I think today they're having pork loin and gravy and shrimp etouffee. And uh, there's something else I'd encourage you to try. We don't normally have this at the men's conference. We have some sweet dough pies that are locally made that are incredible. They're some of my favorite. I are, you are to try them. Let us know if you like them. Pass the word to the cooks. We'll do them again next year if you do. Also, if you want to help as men, this is a way you could be a blessing. We want all of our chairs in stacks of 10. And if you can do that, if you're handy and want to do that, you can just put all the chairs in stacks of 10. That'll be a great blessing. Thank you for attending. Hold up just a second. I'm sorry. Uh, I want to say a great big thank you to Brother Cody Bryant and his men for helping us with the parking. Also, um, I want to say that I appreciate all of the band and all the musicians and singers and uh, pastor, not pastor. I don't know if that's prophetical or not, but one of these days maybe you will. But it used to be Pastor Shields, but now it's Brother Trey. Brother Trey Smith headed up our music and our worship team. Great job. Thank you uh, as usual. Uh, and to the First Pentecostal Church of Jennings, you are awesome and incredible. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next year.